Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the NICU and Special Needs Family Podcast. On today's episode, we will be talking about PTSD. Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. My name is Amy and I have a special needs son. He was diagnosed with an infection at birth which led to meningitis. He now struggles with cerebral palsy, seizures, and he is G2 fed. If you have any questions about me or my son, you can always contact me through my website, which is linked in the notes below. Um, my website is amyjbar.wixsite.com slash amyjbar, or you can reach out to me on Instagram at the NICU family. So on today's episode, we will be talking about PTSD, or also known as post-traumatic stress disorder. I want to start off by explaining what trauma is. PTSD occurs after a traumatic event. So trauma could be defined as threatened death or serious injury and a few others, but for the sake of this episode and the community that I speak to, I will stick to these two, which is threatened death or serious injury. I do believe that our child's um, medical complexities um, land beneath these two categories of trauma. To experience trauma, you either have to be the one experiencing the traumatic event, for example, the patient such as your child, or it could be the person witnessing the event, for example, parents and medical specialists. Learning that a traumatic event occurred to a close family member could also be cause of trauma, uh, but for this episode, I'm just going to stick to the experience that caregivers have. Another aspect of PTSD is also experiencing repeated trauma. For example, in the case of caregivers, we have reoccurring trauma every time our child is admitted into the hospital, every time we have to call 911, and every time there are unexpected changes in our child's health. Those are all examples of ways we um, experience trauma over and over again. When we experience PTSD, we also have what is called intrusion symptoms. Examples of these symptoms are intrusive memories of the traumatic event. And what I mean by intrusive is unexpected thoughts, thoughts that just come into your head and that you weren't um, processing and that come out of nowhere. For example, if you are washing the dishes and all of a sudden a picture of a memory pops in your head about the trauma, then that would be considered an intrusive memory. Distressing dreams are also uh, examples of intrusion symptoms um, that have to do with your child's illness or a time in the hospital. Is All of this is also part of PTSD. I do want to say that if your child may have experienced trauma from their time in the hospital, their dreams may be frightening and they won't have like recognizable content in them that could allude to the trauma. Flashbacks are another part of experiencing trauma or intrusion symptoms. When you experience a flashback, you feel as if you are back in the moment. Again, if you feel like your child may also have PTSD from their experience, they be they may reenact it through play. And I do want to make another episode that focuses on childhood uh, medical trauma. But 
so so they do experience trauma themselves the, the children but it is in a different form and it is expressed differently so um for kids just for the sake of, of an explanation of how they experience their flashbacks that they a lot of the time experience it through play or they they talk about it through play with PTSD, you also have psychological distress, which is extreme anxiety and panic to any exposure to cues that resemble the traumatic event. So in my experience, I can say that hospitals beeping the NICU or maybe even a smell can trigger this anxiety within me. I believe that trauma lives in the body, so many times our bodies also react to the cues that remind us about the event. For me, when I have to take Luke to the hospital, I always come out with like a kink in my neck. Like there's always this pain that comes in my neck every time I have to go to the hospital. My back feels like it's been like I've been standing for hours. There's a lot of stress in it, and I get really shaky. These symptoms are all manageable, but I know that they're there because my body is reacting to the environmental reminders of the trauma. So it's important to pay attention to your body cues whenever you're going through a stressful situation with your child that has to do with their medical complexities. All of that indicates that we may need more coping skills or that we may need to talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist when it comes to a diagnosis of PTSD. When we have experienced trauma, we also avoid anything that could trigger a reminder or feelings of anxiety. So there's a lot of, this is called avoidance. A small example of this is my difficulty carrying babies. When Luke first came out of the NICU, I would refuse to carry anyone's baby because it would trigger my depression. Maybe I haven't made this completely clear, but PTSD and depression are linked. So one may trigger the other. Um, I also avoided going on social media. And for a time, I avoided my Instagram page, The NICU Family, which I absolutely love. I absolutely love seeing babies that are in the NICU and seeing how they progress throughout time. Um, I just have such a connection with other parents that are in the NICU and are special needs parents. But during some time, I was feeling more depressed than helpful when I was going on that page. So I really had to take a step back in order to take care of my mental health and uh, decrease those feelings of depression. Because I would feel anxiety every time I would see pictures of babies in the NICU. Just watching those pictures or seeing the incubators, all of that gave me anxiety, gave me depression. It just didn't help. So I had to take a step back. I also know my husband struggles with these triggers too. His trigger is going to to Loma Linda Children's Hospital because it's a huge reminder of our trauma that we've experienced there multiple times. But he is aware of it and he's able to identify his um, reactions and can manage it and still take Luke or take care of Luke when he he's in there with, with him. But um, a, a trigger that may cause a lot of distress is when the trigger is unexpected. So we know on our way to the hospital that we're going to go there and we kind of prepare mentally. We know that we're going to have appointments and we're able to prepare mentally anytime we, we might have to go to the hospital. 
But when the trauma is unexpected, I'm sorry, when the experience is unexpected, when the trigger is unexpected, it's harder to manage. An example of this is when our son, our youngest son, Micah, was born in February of this year. He had to go into the NICU. So here we go again. We had one son that had a very hard experience in the NICU. We almost lost him. There's a lot of trauma associated with our experience in the NICU. And now we have our second, our third child, and he's also going to the NICU. He was experiencing trouble uh, breathing, just like Luke. And so for a few hours, he had to be monitored in the NICU. And because I had just uh, had the baby and I was fresh out of a C-section, I was really out of it. I was unable to go with Adrian, so he had to carry this load. And this really triggered a lot of the fears and the anxiety that are associated with the NICU when it comes to our experience. So this was a huge trigger that increased anxiety in, in Adrian. So going back to avoidance, many times in order to avoid these triggers or avoid these reminders or this the anxiety associated with the trauma, we avoid going to places or doing things that could remind us or trigger those uh, unpleasant feelings. So like I said before, uh, PTSD is not just in itself PTSD. It comes with other feelings of depression and anxiety, and they're all kind of linked together. Um, so another symptom of PTSD is negative alterations in cognitions and moods associated with the trauma. So what does this mean? This long set of symptoms that we just described. Well, what it is simply put is problems with mood and your memory. In order for our brain to protect us from trauma, it also blocks out certain memories of the event. Typically, this is due to uh, dissociative amnesia. Dissociation is when your mind detaches itself from what's going on in the moment. Um, when Luke almost passed away in my arms, I really felt a sense of disconnection to my feeling. It's like my feelings all turned off and I was just going through the motions. This was my brain activating that dissociative amnesia in order for me to deal with what was, go what was going on in that moment. What dissociative amnesia then creates is distorted recollections or remembering how it all occurred. You just don't can't put all the pieces together. There's bits and bits and pieces that you do remember and bits and pieces that you don't. Like you're not fully sure on how everything happened because your body was going through dissociation through parts of those traumatic experiences that doesn't allow you to remember everything. Um, correctly or everything with um, a good chronological order. So um, this is what um, the, the cognitions, the, the issues that we have with cognitions and memory. The traumatic event also uh, triggers many difficult emotions such as guilt, shame, or anger, or fear that also impacts our mood. All of these emotions can take us into a depressive state because they can cause us to blame ourselves for what happened to our baby. And this is something I struggled with a lot, a lot of blame, a lot of guilt, and I know a lot of other NICU and special needs parents that uh, struggle with this. What what this blame is, this blame is um, these are negative beliefs about ourselves that lead to a lack of interest in things that we once enjoyed, isolation, and feeling detached from our support system, and an inability to experience 
experience positive emotions. So all of that in a nutshell is depression, right? If you think about negative beliefs about yourself, which is the blame, the guilt, um, not interested in things that we used to enjoy so we now stop doing things that gave us joy and our self-care we start to isolate we feel detached from our support system and then we can't even experience positive emotions all of that put together is depression so i on i can be honest about that and i and i know i struggle with this part of ptsd i feel depressed sometimes and i also experience a lot of guilt I remember Christmas of 2019, I was particularly in a very deep episode of depression. I remember Luke had been released from the hospital on December 23rd, and us being Hispanics, we we um, celebrate Christmas on the 24th, and we decided to still attend the family gathering. Even though we were among people who loved us and cared for us, I just couldn't feel any real sense of happiness. I felt as if I was watching this gathering from a glass window. I was in the room and a part of the celebration, but I still felt the sense of detachment like I didn't belong or like I didn't want to be there. That Christmas was really hard and my depression was getting the best of me understanding that this is a response to my trauma allowed me to give myself more grace so this is why understanding trauma understanding your mental health understanding these symptoms is important because you are able to give yourself grace you're able to reduce the sense that you're alone that you're experiencing all of this by yourself that maybe you're losing it or you're losing control of your mental health by understanding these symptoms, understanding what PTSD is, what depression is, and what it looks like in parents with children with disabilities, then you're able to give yourself grace and say it's it's not fully just because, but there is a reason, an underlying trigger, an underlying reason why I am acting this way or why my mental health feels this way. And by giving yourself grace, you allow yourself to process these emotions and go through the depression, the PTSD um, in, a, in a little bit of a smoother way and find what actually helps you more effectively. When we experience trauma, we also experience a lot of anger and irritability. And again, this is all going back to depression. Because our mind is so used to processing trauma and is always on high alert, our patience may not, may not always be at its best. This past weekend, we had to take Luke to the emergency room, and this is always difficult because we don't know if we're going to get admitted. We know that we're going to have to stay there for a couple of hours. There's just a lot that goes into taking Luke to the emergency room, and it just triggers going back to the avoidance right it triggers a lot of memories it triggers a lot of fears and anxiety so this past saturday luke couldn't keep his food down and this scares us because it can impact his ability to breathe and it can just cause dehydration and luke is already eating a very little bit of food that he's able to keep down so we don't take this lightly so we decided to take him to the emergency room so in preparing to leave, my husband Adrian is on high alert because we're automatically, we, our mind, our brain goes into the fight or flight um, response. So we're packing everything up. Luke is not doing good. We're just like watch, watching him. It's hypervigilance, right? So 
Adrian was on such high alert that he instantly became irritable. So how do I know this? I know my husband pretty well. We have very good communication and I can tell that any little thing was that wasn't going right would affect his mood. And not until we got Luke into the hospital and he and, and checked out was he able to relax. Watching your baby go through a lot of medical issues causes this increased amount of hypervigilance, which then impacts your irritability and your patience. So for me, anytime I hear beeping, I get up and I think that it's Luke, that he needs something. Luke has thrown up so many times that as soon as someone coughs, I jump up to help Luke because I automatically think it's him. That's all hypervigilance, that sense of urgency anytime anything happens, thinking that it's your child. This constant state of hypervigilance can lead to burnout, right? Because if you can, you can imagine, right, always having to to be on high alert, thinking that something's wrong. That causes burnout in in you as a caregiver. So it's important to practice your coping skills so you can maintain the sense of self awareness, uh, maintain the sense of um, healthy mental state. Trauma also affects other parts of your daily life, Uh, your ability to concentrate. So you make a lot of mistakes. You have a hard time focusing on, let's say, work because your home life is always focused on the baby. Or if your baby's in the NICU, you're so focused on the baby and then maybe you have to go back to work and you can't concentrate. It's going to impact you because of the trauma. Trauma also impacts your ability to sleep, not just because you're having nightmares, but also because of the hypervigilance going back to that, you know, hypervigilance. It affects everything. Um, for us, we can't sleep because anytime Luke makes any noise or he coughs, we automatically get up and look to see if he's throwing up. Sometimes he is, sometimes he's having seizures, sometimes he can't breathe. So when we sleep, we don't sleep like a, a healthy way where it's like, okay, you sleep from let's say 10 o'clock to 6 a.m. You know, that's an you know a good average eight hours or seven hours. No, our sleep is interrupted our sleep is we go to sleep really late because luke eats until two o'clock in the morning and then we have a four-month-old so all of this lack of sleep is as a result of hypervigilance the trauma the triggers the nightmares and along with daily responsibilities for having to care for not only um, a disabled child but also a, a baby so trauma not only affects your mood, your depression, your anxiety, but also affects your sleep. So if you put all of these experiences, the memories, the experience, the trauma, the anxiety, the inability to sleep, and then if it starts to impact your daily life, which is your relationships, your support system, your job, your home life, um, your extracurricular activities that you might do, or these, uh, or your hobbies, all of that, if it starts to impact all of these areas of your life, then it becomes post-traumatic stress disorder. And this could be concurrent trauma, something that's real, sorry, not concurrent, reoccurring trauma. Um, So something that's consistently happening over time, or it can be a one-time event that, you know, maybe once you got out of the NICU, now your child is developing a little bit better. It's, It's not as stressful as being in the NICU. That still could develop PTSD. But all of these experiences put together is what causes a diagnosis of PTSD. You are unable to live out your daily life 
um, that that is your main um, diagnosis that you would have gotten. Um, so if you think you have PTSD, if I've been talking and you're like, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Yes, that's my symptoms. I have that. I have that. Then I want to you to um, please, please, please talk to a therapist so you can get a true diagnosis because you could never diagnose yourself, even though you could be pretty sure that you may meet it. Um, talking to a therapist will really help you identify how um, how these daily stressors are affecting your everyday life and ways you can help um, manage them more effectively. Nowadays, you can get therapy straight from your own home and no one has to know about it. All you need to do is look for someone online. There is a um, a link on my website that you can get online therapy with um, so you can go there or you can just look it up on google and you can probably find a therapist in your state that practices uh, therapy online but you do need to find a way to process this and find ways to cope with your reality of caring for a child with disability now that you know what ptsd i do want to tell you that i don't want you to think that having ptsd is it friends, I want to tell you that it does not end here. There's what's called post-traumatic growth. And this is a positive change experienced as a result of your child's medical trauma. It's the idea that human beings can be changed by their encounters with life challenges, sometimes in incredibly positive ways. We see this time and time again throughout history in the Bible, in spiritual traditions, literature, and philosophy. Your experience will eventually develop new opportunities that will emerge from this struggle. You will experience closer relationships with your support system and an increased sense of connections to others who suffer. You will find a new sense of strength for yourself, your child, and your family, and a greater appreciation for life in general. The biggest opportunity from this trauma is finding God and growing in your spiritual walk. Now, I'm not saying that the struggle is worth this new sense of positive change, but what I am saying is that this can bring you hope. There is always hope if you really take care of your mental health. If you nurture your mental health, utilize coping skills, and connect with your support, this journey although extremely difficult, can have hope. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you found connection, understanding, support, and hope. If you have any questions, you can email me at thenikufamily at gmail.com or you can connect with me on my website at amyjbar.wixsite.com slash amyjbar or you can always find me on Instagram at thenikufamily. You can always shoot me a message there. I'm always on DMing people and um, looking to find new ways to connect with people. If you enjoyed this episode, click that subscribe button and leave a review that would be so helpful for us. And thank you so much for listening and I pray you have a blessed day.